0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: Let's talk about change, because one thing's for sure, your next great and glorious adventure demands it. you can hear me,
2: we're having some technical difficulties, but this is Dr. Lisa, and I'm coming to you today from Cedar Hill, Texas, and I've got something special going on, which you all probably know about, which is we're going to talk today about how to create a relationship that really works when there's been a history of past abuse. So I have a guest host that's going to take over here in just a moment. And that guest host is Amy Hirsch, who happens to be my enjoyable other, if you will, my lover, whatever you would like to call it. And she double-dog dared me to let her come on the, the show and kind of take over and fire off any questions she desired at me, um, for me, and on behalf of all of you out there uh, about creating a relationship and living that actually works maybe around sex and money and kids and horses um, and the exploration of whatever is possible and whatever else is possible when there's been a lot of abuse in the past and as you know this is a radio show about beyond abuse beyond therapy beyond anything and I have utilized you know my upbringing and the the Past history of abuse, if you will, um, as a fuel for growth, change, and transformation in this world professionally and both personally. So I'm giving up complete control. I have no idea what she's going to ask me. I'm going to be silent now, pass the baton, if you will, over to Amy. And Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for the double dog there. And let her rip.
3: <laughs> well, thanks, Lisa. It's really fun and exciting for me to be on your show with you. I listen every week, and I, I'm always curious. I always have some questions, and I'm like, what would, be, what would that be like for me to call in and get my own personal facilitation? So maybe that's what's behind all this, in a way. It's just that um, I always have more questions for you, and I always um, I think you're just such a... Um, you have so much capacity with energy and just everything that you have to share. So, yeah, I would love to discuss some things with you. Um, and, you know, the first thing that came up for me is that, um, you know, we planned to do this Voice America show together. I think we planned it a couple of weeks ago. And um, it was really exciting for me. I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. What an awesome creation. And then it's so interesting to me that when – when I choose things um, that, that are going to create more in, in my life, um, there's an interesting energy that comes up. And I'm just wondering, like, what is that energy when, when we choose to step out, when we choose to ask for more? And it's actually manifesting. And then this interesting energy comes up that's like, feels like resistance or um you know it's interesting that we had some technical difficulties today and you know even within our relationship some things got a little tricky and uncomfortable like right before the show so i mean i would just love to have some of your insight into into that energy and like what does happen when we ask for more and then we're faced with all this resistance
2: well, it's a great question, and, and thanks for bringing all that in. Um, you know, here's my interesting point of view. It's like, what for myself, whenever, for my clients, everything with this radio show, everything with my business, um, even every choice that I make personally, whenever, like you're saying in your words, whenever I choose to choose more and to go with what's more possible and what the energy of something light and more expansive and quite frankly, being out of control, um, you know, doing something completely different on this show, not doing the prep that I usually do, um, you know, doing everything differently, not having any idea about where the show is going to go, what's going to happen. Um, not that I do beforehand either, but there's there's been a little bit more of a form and structure prior to something like this today. But... Whenever that's kind of normal in my opinion, and my interesting point of view, is like whenever we choose more, resistance comes up, all our limitations start to come up, the constrictions start to come up, the cage of abuse starts to come out, come out, come up, like for me, I'm like, Okay, what about all the people that might want to call in? Do I take, you know, facilitation and calls in the same way? And what if we don't do the show description and the blog and the social media quotes in the same way? And what if we keep having guest bloggers and, you know, it's just like a lot of what if, what if, what if. And it's all of us and me particularly beyond the form and structure of, um, I guess you could say control of what I think happens every Tuesday at this particular time. And for someone like myself who, you know, perfected, if you will, sort of, like an ordering of my reality, given the reality that I um, grew up with the first two decades of my life. Having something be so unstructured unstructured, and so out of control could cause a little bit of friction. Maybe it could cause the telephone lines or the Skype lines to go a little wonky. Maybe it can, you know, put me in a different position, a vulnerable, more vulnerable position than the the one that's being in the role of facilitator or something. It brings up so much stuff, but all that kind of stuff gets the possibility of being aired out um, and barriers down and a conscious choice about, hey, what else is possible and what can we do now? Well, that's a little bit about what I can say to you regarding that. (laughs) Yeah,
3: no, I love that you said that, and I love that you bring up the part about being out of control because it seems like such an energy in my life right now as well. I just did a telecall with Lisa Murray about being out of control, and, mm-hmm. um, and all of these issues were at, play, were at play as well. And I'm just wondering, um, like, maybe some of the out-of-control stuff comes a little bit easier to me. I mean, I think we all may have some issues with really allowing ourselves to be out of control. But I wonder, like you said, kind of just based on your history, And, you know, or for someone like me who doesn't have the same abuse history as you do, different stuff. But, like, what tips would you give to someone in relationship um, or what insight could you give um, to someone who is in relationship with another that's experienced, you know, extensive abuse? Like what, um, I think that at times maybe I can be insensitive to that. Um, in certain ways, and what would you, what would you say, um, you know, to two people who are very different in relationship and just really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some things that might help? Sure. Well, um,
2: as you well know, <laughs> some of the things that, that works for me, um, and if you're in relationship, but here, here's what I do, I, I'm hypersensitive to my environment. And, and that was so um, so much so about the first two decades of my life, having no control over my environment, no control in a certain way over my body, no control over money, finances, what I chose to do, what school I went to, what I was going to come home to, um, what was going to be thrown at me or what was going to be, you know, done to me. Those were all my reality. And so... As I got older and did my therapy and energy work and healing, I just learned to use my words and my mouth for uh, setting up my environment. And I'm really good at saying, here's what's going on. Here's what, you know, I require. Here's what um, is best for me. And let me know if you can um, do those things, contribute to me in that way, or you know, a best case scenario is what what would work for you too, and you know, create a collaboration, if you will, every moment about, let's say, just the the environment, the home environment, and what would work.
3: Um, I have such. And, I have a question. Can I interrupt you for a second?
2: Yeah, go ahead. Um,
3: well, I, you said something so key. You were like, I use my words, and like I talk, and. I think that's been a bit of a struggle for me and you and because you actually are so good at that and you are really so good at verbalizing what you need. um, Like without really without shame, without um, you're just like, Hey, here it is. This is what I need. (laughs) And I'm always surprised by that, honestly. And I just wonder like, where does that come from? Is that, Did you have to work on that? Was that just innate? Um, Because it isn't as easy for me. Like I really, actually, do struggle with putting words to things and for asking for what I need and for kind of being ahead of that curve. And when I don't ask for things, um, I get resentful, and then it causes it does you know it causes a lot of friction between you and I. And so I'm wondering like how does one like, how, how did you develop it, or how does one develop that if, there, if it actually isn't, you know, easy?
2: Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's a great question, and so there's a couple of um, different ways that I can um, respond. The first, first thing, most people don't know this, but um, there's actually a term called alexithymia. A L E X like Alex, is I T H Y M A, and it's it's a it's a psychological term, and it's characterized by the inability to identify and describe emotions. Right, and so um, when we've been abused, for, for instance, myself, um, my joke the joke in the family for me, which is more like a shame for me, but it was also a solace for me, was they nicknamed me Hermie for hermit because I would kinda of hide in my room, not say anything, and the only thing I did really was like listen to music and that was like my solace. I didn't really want to talk to anybody. Like I hadn't I had enough, literally. And I didn't have the words. In school they actually thought that I was um mildly retarded and diagnosed me as so and would take me out of the classes and put me in special rooms for testing because I never spoke. Um and what I know now from all the work that I had done is that it was a I didn't have words, literally, to be able to identify the overwhelming emotions of being physically abused every day, verbally stunted every day, punched in the face almost every day, thrown down the stairs, let alone being raped and tortured in some of the other ways, and and um, the, the financial and monetary abuses. So... I went in and then dissociated out, so to speak, and the only thing that kept solace to me was being in my room by myself with the music. So when I chose to make a conscious choice to actually find the words, get healing, is what I talk about in my book, and I think I've talked about it on the radio show too, which is when my college family violence professor, college, 21 years of age, turned to me and said, Lisa, are you okay? It was the first time everybody asked, anybody asked me to identify my feeling. Am I okay? That wasn't really a feeling, but it was a state of a mood of something that I could actually respond to, and I said no and started crying. And that opened up a huge doorway for me my senior year of college, in expressing and finding the words for what I was feeling. And once I did, that overwhelm that I had felt, the inability to speak, the alexithymia, um started to go away. And what was there at first was a lot of pain, a lot of sadness, a lot of resentment, a lot of rage, a lot of helpless rage, which I talk about on this radio show, a huge amount of denial, a huge amount of defending, dissociating, and disconnecting. And pure and utter hatred <laughs> and pain. So that's the first thing that I would I would say about um, what you're responding to. And I don't want to talk, just dig over here and talk because you know I can do that. <laughs> yeah, so some of it's, that, is it's just
3: really you. Like you've just always been really, or it seems like you, once that door was opened, once you were asked and like a door was opened, then your expression kind of came flooding out, or it kind of sounds like that, and then it was easier for you.
2: Yes, because I made the decision for me. I made the commitment to me to choose me and to speak. It became intolerable. The dinner times, the moments were in, in my childhood, in my young adulthood, where people would walk in the room and there would be so much stuff underneath the... The carpet. You know, the catchphrase is the elephant's kind of shitting on the carpet, and it stinks, but no one's looking at it. That became so painful to me, and I developed relationships that way in my adult in my adult life that were just like, you know, two people living together but not communicating or communing at all. And it be, it was so stale to me, and I wanted to create. Something different that wasn't stale, that didn't stink, you know. That that there was a breeze flowing between me and somebody else, let's say, in a relationship, and that's what I'm. A, that's what I attempt to do with all the talking, even, you know, with with ourselves. And sometimes I'm very grateful for you to be the being that you be, and you're just like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Everything's okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, just to really be like the horse, the horse like being around horses and being with you with horses, where a horse is like, oh, I think I'll just go over here now and eat some grass. And, oh, well, I think I'll go over there now and do this. And, oh, I think I'll go over there. It's the complete opposite of the hypervigilant, you know, let me order my reality me that was such a huge part of my, you know, early changes to this whole other extreme of just like, hey. Everything is okay all the time. There's no real problem about anything. Life is good, and let's get on a horse and, and ride and play all day. I that's a completely different life for me. And, you know, I appreciate that because without being in relation to you, with you, and here at the ranch with the horses, I would have never had the quite the, the intensity of space of creation, of being, um, that I have been embodying and expanding into in quite the same way. It's literally, um, tapping into molecules and circuitry of the space of being that is within in all of us that I've talked about, I've written about, I know after a really, really good session or good sex or a good workout, but just, like, literally being, it is stretching me into that, and that, for any um, radically alive, moving beyond abuse person, that's just beauty and
3: grace. Cool. Um, Yeah, so that makes me think, like, maybe part of the expertise you have with words is... Really ordering your reality like you you literally will delve into something to a point where there 's like n- nothing else left like you will go to an to a point with people in facilitation and also in your conversation or um, communication where it 's like there isn't a, there isn 't a lot of stuff left unturned, and you 've told me many mm. times that like your goal really is like I love truth, and I am after the truth of everything. And it's funny, because I actually love truth also, and I know that I still struggle with, like, um, that the words aren't as easy for me, and I do sometimes still get really, really stuck, and I can't communicate, and I, I know that, I mean, not just with you, but in my relationships, in my history, like, it's really frustrating for my partners to, um, to, to be with that. And it's also, honestly, it's, like, so frustrating for me. So what, what would you have for someone that, like, really can't or hasn't been able to, you know, always put words to things or does get sort of, like, stuck or paralyzed in whatever mm-hmm. the energy is and just, like, really can't see beyond it in that moment?
2: a great question, and I do this every day, and even with myself. It's just like because there was a certain time that that I didn't have the words, and I don't have the words for everything. My favorite catchphrase for something like this is if you could put words to that energy, what would it say? If you could put words to what your body is perceiving, what would it be perceiving? If you could just um You know, I was just working with somebody here at the house, as you know, live, and I had a lot of sessions this morning, back-to-back-to-back before the radio show, and everything was the same. The entire session, I sometimes feel like, all three sessions I did before the radio show are all like, if that part of you could speak, if you knew what that energy was, what would it say? And I sit every day with people, just as people sat with me, and just as I sit with me, and, and you know, I still do work on myself and have my practitioners regularly um, because I have just made this commitment that I lived so long with everything hidden and unnamed and untapped. That's the whole radio show. It started, you know, we're going to have our 100th episode, June 14th, 100 episodes of just content I made from my mind and my body with the help of staff. Um, my staff and people that have worked with me, hundred shows, content about moving beyond abuse. And that's it's. they're not from, I don't go to books for that stuff. I go from my own experience. Every show is about what it's taken me to move beyond abuse. And the greatest gift of this show is to put it into words so that none of us are alexithymic, alexithymic anymore. Whether you listen to this show, whether you've had the abuse, that I've had or not, um, you just have to put it into words somehow, because naming it and acknowledging it dissipates all the constriction and all the limitation and all the um, denial and defending against it, and then it becomes—it allows the space to become clear with what is actually holding you back. And like today, just before this call, somebody got to this whole thing about them being a burden with their mother, a burden with their father, and they made a decision when they were seven years of age about being a burden, and so all they could create was being a burden and how they created a being a burden financially, energetically, psychologically, and, and that's what they actualized. I didn't want to... I had actualized so much of the insanity of the abuse, I have just chosen to not actualize that anymore. And the only thing I can do is turn and face in and find the words and find the acknowledgement and then get free. And then I hope not only, you know, it's easier a lot of times with clients and I just hope, I know I'm not always the most um, spacious and in the code of allowance, if you will, in relationship or, you know, with you or with others before you, but I've always attempted as much as possible to... Name that which is unnameable so that we all get free and so that we could all choose to come together in a little bit more of a conscious um, embodiment of choice and possibility, which is... Yeah, uh, and that um, has been like
3: really amazing for me to watch how you do that. Mm -hmm. No matter what, you seem to find a place to reconnect or to be playful or to do something to dispel the energy when I tend to, like, hold on to it more and, and do get more stuck. So that's actually been um, kind of amazing for me to watch a different, like, a different pattern when things are challenging.
2: Yeah, and I could say the same thing the other way, like, that, that you know, to watch the, not watch, but also, like, when things are named for me, there's a space inside of my whole being that, that, that lightens up. And then I'm just like, ah, okay, here we go. The barriers are down, the blockages are down and we can go. And then there's a space that you be for me, which is more like, you know, it's really not that big of a deal, even if I'm holding on. And I don't want anybody to hold on, like, not that I can do it or change it for anybody, but I can dissipate laughter by laughing or dissipate the energy of intensity with laughter or with the naming of it or sitting and, and listening to someone's resentments of me or whatever it is in relationships or, or they sit and listen to me. I'm, I'm, you know, sign me up. You know, I, I don't want, I've lived with abuse is full of resentment. Abuse is full of regret. Abuse is full of rejection. Abuse is full of anger, rage, fury, hate, blame, shame, guilt, regret. I, that that was the embodiment of my life, and it drove me to drink. It drove me to drug. It drove me to you know emotional financial bankruptcy. It's driven me to um, years and bouts of depression and things like that that I've been able to move beyond. Um, but it's t- it's taken its toll, and when you know the toll that it's taken, I just. For some reason, I don't know what it is about me, but I just, just when I saw all of that, no matter what, there's always a thread inside of me that says there's something else possible. I can do better than this. I, I'm I'm going to create more than this. There's no way I'm staying stuck in this. And if I just name it and stay with what's light and right, it'll keep moving me forward. And sometimes it's not easy, as as you know, things come up. Um, sometimes a little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because
3: um, um, I remember mm -hmm. when you and I went to the sex and relationship class with Gary, Douglas, and Dane here, and um, I said something. You and I had gone to, um, like, Conscious Horse, Conscious Rider, and we had some conflict come up just um, during the the week-long class, and I wanted to have a facilitation about that with Gary. Like, what was that? Like, what happened? You know, how were we so close and then so separate? And he was like, well, um, you know, was it better after you came back together after that? And I said, yeah. And he goes, so did it actually create more? And I said, yes. And he said, yeah, so, you know, you'd be bored if it was just one way all the time. (laughs) And I was like, that is so true.
2: Well, I think that's another good point. I mean, what happened during conscious horse, what happened or whatever, what was chosen during conscious horse, conscious rider. Um, what we both learned from the, the the personal work that we did ourselves together and individually is, you know, I w- became aware of my triggers, and you became aware of those which you hadn't known. You became aware of your triggers, and 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 you told them to me, which you hadn't known, and. Both of us saw where it was coming from on each of our ends and what it was related to um, and then, you know, chose and hopefully keep choosing to do something different from there and both of us made changes based on that. That is about how you deal with, you know, relationships more consciously. It doesn't mean you're not going to get triggered. It doesn't mean that shit's not going to come up. What it means is what do you do with it when it does? And, you know, in my world, it's kind of like if if you're choosing to be, you know, with someone in a certain way, there's at least one thing that you kind of agree on that's the, the the commitment, if you will, and and that could be that no matter what, it's both of us individually feeling light and right and good and staying in this as long as it keeps feeling light and right and good. It could be that simple, um, and it could be even deeper with, like, you know, hey, I really love you, and I care about you, and our bodies love to play with each other, and that's what we're going to keep choosing. And I'm still growing, and I'm still learning, and and I can do whatever I want, and you can do whatever you want, and it, there's a lot of freedom in that. I'll keep choosing that. And that makes those, those conflicts of a conscious horse, conscious rider situation, or if there's other things involved, um, like, you know, children or travel or whatever... It makes those things more palpable. Or in my case, as you know, I like things very kind of organized and, and clean. <laughs> you know, it makes it it makes it more tolerable if there's somebody else being just being themselves that doesn't fit what you are. Um, you know, you got to ask yourself those questions. Does that makes sense.
3: Totally. I have another I have another one on a different little bit. What I, want you, to, what I yeah, want
2: you to do is hold back. What I want you to do is go to break. This is still my show, but I got to take a break here. We've been no break. We got to give one commercial break, and we'll come back. And I want to apologize for those of you that were on hold, um, and potentially hung up. We'll do our best to get to you. Uh, we're having a different conversation today. Um, if you don't call back today and you re-listen to this, or you're still listening to it now. Um, you know, feel free to call back another time or you can certainly try again today and we'll see, we'll see what we can do 1-888-346-9141 This is uh, Amy Hirsch and Dr. Lisa Cooney and we'll, we're going to talk to you after the break
0: We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment
1: The fight is over an invitation to a new experience of you is waiting. Dr. Lisa Cooney shares with you how to let go and move beyond abusive energies of the past, beyond all obstacles, beyond anything, and into your generative space of creation where you have direct access to the whisperings of consciousness. What is better for you than you're currently allowing yourself to do and be? Health and wellness? New relationships? Business ventures? Choice? What would you let go of if you were no longer a slave to abuse and the energies of radical and orgasmic aliveness were available to you? Because they are. Everything in the universe desires to collaborate with you, but you must first choose it. No one can stop you but you as you move towards something greater, to an embodiment of the most important thing in your life, you. What else is possible from here in this lighter, more expansive version of yourself? Visit DrLisaCooney.com today and find
0: out. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Lisa Cooney on Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything
2: Hello, 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 beautiful beings. This is Amy and Lisa, and we are talking about creating a relationship that works when there's been a history of abuse and whatever else that we're talking about here today. So, Amy, you had um, another question?
3: I do. You know, you know I, this is something I've been wondering about um, pretty much since we got together. And it. my question is, when there's been an extensive history of abuse, like how important is it for the uh, the other partner to know about the abuse? I mean, obviously, I have a general idea of what of some of somewhat of what you've been through, and I and you've been through a lot, and I I don't probably know the half of it. So I'm just wondering, um, like, how important is it to go into some of the history of the abuse, or is is it is it important to to do any of that?
2: I think it's always good to share um, information in whatever way you know first I got you got to ask your body and you got to ask the relationship you know what it desires um, and I think you have to take care to not make the abuse um, the big story in the relationship um but also not make it um, not part of the relationship because it is a little different for people that have had, um, you know, intense abuse like for myself. That's just my interesting point of view. It it has part of the reason why I turn in and look so much and keep um, doing the personal work that I do is because I did find there were years where the blind spots of my own cage of abuse interrupted and interacted with the life that I didn't want to create and the relationship, you know, suffered for that. And that was another choice I made that I didn't want the abuse to change my love for somebody or to the best of my ability or influence in a negative way, anything more than it already had. So the short answer is you got to ask yourself what level you... Um, require it to be a part of your life and the relationship and the other person and um, deal with it from there. And I do think if stuff gets triggered and it's related to a trigger for from like a PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder situation or incident, especially if it's like physically or sexually, that your partner deserves to know um, you know, your partner deserves to know, you know, what's going on, especially if you're withdrawing or um, and they're like, what's going on? I don't know where, where you went because they actually don't know. So I think in in most of my relationship history, everybody that I prior to being with you, I think, Amy, um, has had, and I'm not laughing about it, but has had some sort of, you know, specific in this lifetime abuse. So this is a a whole different uh, ballgame for me. And that was a conscious choice on my part as well. So um, like when you have questions, I answer them. When we've had conversations, I've told you about them. Um, You know, and when things get triggered in our relationship, if it's related to a past abuse trigger, I'll tell you about it and give you more information. And then And then, you know, there's a lot of times that you even said to me that you you can't quite grok it, or my word, grok it, you know, like, you can't fathom it. It's not something you would ever have had in your life, you know, or haven't had in your life, so how do you even know what one would conclude or decide or how it would influence? And so, if you are in a relationship, somebody is in a relationship with somebody that's been abused and, and you're the person that hasn't been abused, ask questions, you know, go sit in front of a a counselor or somebody and get some information, you know, have a hour long talk, Don't, not for 10 hours or anything like that. just like an hour long conversation about what you know about abuse. Read some things, ask some questions and decide what the two of you desire together because everything that I'm about is living radically orgasmically alive. That's the reality that I desire to create. The abuse created my life for the first, you know, 25 years of my life but I made a decision after that that I was going to create it um, for the next years of my life and to the day I die on this planet, and that the abuse was not going to be what I was creating. Is that helpful?
3: Yeah, it is helpful, because I often wonder how it is for you, you know, to be with someone who hasn't um, suffered abuse the way you have, you know what I mean, like... It's refreshing. very, very different for us, and maybe that's one of the <laughs> things that makes some things easier for us in some it's, ways. I don't know.
2: It, it could. It, for me, it's, it's it's refreshing. It's different. I mean, it's really different for me, and it's refreshing. And it's not doesn't mean anything about what was before. It's just what is is now. And, um, you know, we're talking about the types of abuse that I you know, specifically went through. But there are many different other forms of abuse that aren't related to, that aren't even called abuse. You know, like you have a history being Jewish. You have a history, genetically even, of the genocide of your people and what that brings up, right? And there are other things that you may have, um, you know, in your life with, Relationships or things like that going on that, you know, I don't want to put forward unless you want to put some things forward, you know, that, that could influence the relationship and be bordering on what could be abusive in a certain way. You know, so what is abuse? You know, judgment to ourselves, about ourselves, about our body, hatred from, you know, family members or, um, things like that, that create some sort of limitation or constriction, not even like for yourself, when you talked about not having the word, well, you know, if someone came to me and talked about that, I would ask questions like, well, how were, how were things communicated in your family and what were, what was talking like in your family and what did you, what was sharing like in your family? and it could be a lot of neglect. It could be a lot of avoidance. It could be a lot of denial. It could be a lot of just silence. There's so many different um, emotional forms of abuse that aren't active, that aren't actually o- overt and are more covert that um, could be included in anybody's dynamic. Yeah, I love that. I feel I like more you... horrific forms of abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you pretty much just facilitated
3: me by just saying that. <laughs>
2: I, did. I tried my best to not say anything but say everything.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was awesome. Now I have I can talk to you forever. Do you wanna take a caller or do you wanna you wanna stay in conversation with me?
2: Um well I think right now that they were waiting and then they it looked like the caller's hung up, but we have their their information and if they're listening you can call back in. Um, we have about ten minutes before the show show ends. One eight 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 three four six nine one four one, or um, you can keep asking me questions. One thing that I will I would like to run the clearing first, which is, um, what have we all made so vital, valuable, and real about marginally committing to our life and to your life that you would actually. What do you make the vital valuable and real about marginally committing to your life that would actually create everything you desire that allows you to live in the fits and starts and the eradication of total possibility as often as you think? Everything that brings up and lets down, could we destroy and then create it, please? Yes. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyond.
3: That's really and good. Do you want
2: to run it again? Yeah sure. What have you made so vital, valuable, and real about marginally committing to your life that would actually create everything you desire that allows you to live in the fits and starts and the eradication of total possibility as often as you think? Right, wrong, well, good, and bad, pot and pot, all nine shorts, boys, and beyond. like When we're talking about relationships, you know, the fits and starts a lot of times is the silence and the withdrawal and the not naming things, but there's an energy going on and then... Two people just turn away from each other instead of turn towards each other, and that eradicates total possibility. And And what is it about holding on to that? What we invent in our head Mm -hmm. about what's actually going on. So hold on one second. So what inventions, what inventions in your relationship are you choosing to continually create the cycle of abuse um, you should be refusing? Right, wrong, good, and bad, pot, and pock, all nine shorts, boys, and beyond. Should isn't the best word, but they'll do something for now. (laughs) What did you say? I said should in the clearing. It's not the best word, but Um, we'll do it for now.
3: Okay. Yeah, that's awesome, though. Run that one one more time, please.
2: I don't even remember it now. I think it's something like, (laughs) what invention are you using to... um, destroy the relationship you are choosing. Right, well, I'm good, and bad, pot, and pock, all nine shorts, boys, and beyond. And what energy, space, and consciousness... I got this from somebody who sent an email in today. What energy, space, and consciousness can me and my body be to eliminate and eradicate the creation of abuse for all eternity? Everything that brings up and lets down, let's destroy and create it. Right, wrong, well, good, and bad, pot, and pock, all nine shorts, boys, and beyond. What energy, space, and consciousness can me and my body be to eliminate and eradicate the creation of abuse in relationship for all eternity, right, wrong, good, and bad, pot, and pock, all nine shorts, boys, and beyond. I mean, that one about what invention are
3: you creating with your relationship, that is so mm-hmm. that is so powerful for me because I'm like, oh yeah, I do create a bunch of stuff and it, it sounds really good in my mind. I'm like, wow, you are brilliant that <laughs> you came up with all this and I know for sure it's true. <laughs> and it's almost like, the attachment to the fantasy of it or to the invention becomes so strong because I want to be right about it that I can't let go of it. Mm. Or I, I struggle to let go of it. I'm like, no, but I came up with this, and I worked really hard at coming up with this, and I, it shows how brilliant I am and what a great creator I am. So I really I need to hold on to this, even though you're totally um, calling me out on it and proving that it's a bunch of bullshit. So I just find that a little amusing right now.
2: (laughs) Well, we all have inventions that we we make to make the other person wrong and you ourselves right. So, and that's a form of abuse because you're being superior, power over another person, by diminishing another person, which is exactly what abuse is. So you don't have to have sexual abuse to be doing that. That's done every day. That's done right now, you know, on Super Tuesday with, you know, Trump and Clinton voting for getting votes, you know, to try to become the presidential nominee. People do power over all the time, and they invent stories all the time, and those inventions become the reality through which we live. That's the insanity of abuse, and that's what I wanted to end and why I actually wanted to create this show and do what I do every day and talk the way that I talk, you know, personally and professionally, it's like, enough with the inventions. What's really real here? If we just stop and give ourselves some time to ask ourselves, is this really true? Or am I attempting to align and agree with something so that I can be right and you can be wrong, and that's what I prefer to be true? All right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. I have no desire to be right. I have every desire to create a new possibility. When we are in abuse and have had abuse, there's a lot of inventions. I have this on many radio shows beforehand, like wearing abuse-colored glasses or the mask that we put on, the inventions we use, like all these things. They're lies. So how many of you, how many of us bought the lie that, you know, if, if you could just trust you you never would have been abused in the first place. You never would have created the relationship you're in in the, in the second place. And everything that's going wrong in your life wouldn't have happened. You know, everything that is times the Deb billion. You destroy and uncreate it all. Yes. So it's not about trust. It's about choice. Right? Wrong, good and bad, pot and pop, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. So it's like most abuse is a sense of trying to get control over the abuser in their, in our, in our own lives because the abuser feels out of control, and they're trying to create control. So, you know, that brings up us to shine and create it. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. You know, abuse is like instituting the powerlessness, impotence, and no choice, you know, so you maintain no change. That, to me, is what abuse is. Yeah, and you know... Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of brings up like
3: another perspective that I actually really like that also came up in the sex and relationship class with Gary and Dane was when they were facilitating you and we were talking about like what um, one of the energies of, the you know, the abuser is that they're actually attracted to the light of who they're abusing and they're trying to get that for themselves. And I thought that was um, really... Um, just eye-opening for me, you know, just to hear it, it talked about in that way.
2: Um, and what specifically was, say again, what specifically was eye-opening?
3: Well, that the perpetrator is actually picking their target because they want the light. They want yeah. to have a moment of the lightness of that person that they're choosing to abuse.
2: Right. But Andrew, and for that one minute, Andrew, they, Andrew, they might feel a little better, and then right. it's over Right, and everybody who's been abused takes what they did, the perpetrator did to them as the wrongness of them, but the perpetrator is actually attempting to grab the rightness of them. And you think that it's actually gone because the perpetrator took something, but you can, it, can, it can never go because it's you. The light is over you no matter what has what occurred. You don't change because somebody abused you. I didn't change because somebody abused you. I believed a lot of insanity and lies, and I acted in very destructive ways that were choices to mimic the perpetration and the worldview of the perpetrator. But it wasn't me. And the more that we all can wake up to that in relationships, when these things get triggered, the less perpetration there will be on this planet. Now, there's so much more that we can say, but the the show does have to end, and I'm getting cues here for it to end, so I'm going to give you some last words, Amy, but we've got about 30 seconds here. Well,
3: I was just going to say thank you so much for having me on the show, and I love exploring things with you and finding out more about what you know and what you have to share and how, how better than me getting to ask my questions, you know, up front and personal.
2: (laughs) <laughs> well, I thank you for Double Dog daring Me. And you're always welcome to come back. And if you listeners want to hear more, tell us what you want to hear and email it to VA, voice voiceamerica at Um Again, I apologize if you called and were on hold for a long time and we didn't get to you. Um, you can certainly send an email, call back next week, one eight 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 three four six nine one four one, 346 9141 or... Speak with me individually and receive some facilitation. Thanks so much, Amy. Thank you, Voice America. Thank you, all of you out there. And as I always say, be you beyond anything, create magic. Bye now. (laughs)
0: and management.